I like it when a man can just open up his heart, let it pour out. That's probably the best kind of preaching there is. It'll minister to you. Thank you, Brother James, for giving us your heart. Helps us. Appreciate the opportunity of being able to come. And uh, Brother Ricky told me, he said, uh, you know why I have you? And I said, well, no, why? He said, because you're such an encouragement to the preachers. I said, really? He said, yeah, they figure if you can do it, anybody can. (laughs) I get no respect, I'll tell you that. 50% of what I say before I preach is true, so you can figure that out for yourself. (laughs) But that ain't just me. (laughs) That's every preacher I know. Yeah, yeah, pretty good percentage. Several years back, I was humbled. He asked me, he said, would you be my pastor? Well, I don't know what all that involves. I don't even have a church. <laughs> but anyway, I, I don't think I can give an answer, but I thought, well, okay. I never heard from him for 11 months. He never called me. I couldn't get a hold of him when I called him. I want him out to preach. (laughs) I text him. He never texts back. The thing that really bothered me, I figured if I was his pastor, he'd send me an offering. I never even got an offering out of the deal. I said, man, I've pastored people like that for many years. But anyway, uh, I guess that's the way it ought to work. I get no respect. My wife told me the other day, she said, you know uh, the reason why I married you? I said, why? She said, it's your brains. I said, really? She said, yeah, it's the little things in life that count. (laughs) I get no respect. (laughs) Matthew chapter number 20. We'll begin reading in verse number one. For the kingdom of heaven is like unto a man that is a householder which went out early in the morning to hire laborers in his vineyard, and when he had agreed, underscore that, with the laborers for a penny a day, he sent them into his vineyard. And he went out about the third hour and saw others standing in the marketplace about nine o'clock in the morning. He said unto them, Go ye also into the vineyard, and whatsoever is right. A little different than what it was for the first. They agreed on the first. The second one had no agreement. It's just whatever's right. I will give you. And they went their way. And again, he went out about the sixth hour, about twelve high noon, and the ninth hour, about three in the evening, about the eleventh hour, he went out, about five, and found others standing idle, which saith unto him, Why stand ye here all the day idle? They say unto him, Because no man hath hired us, he saith unto them, Go ye also into the vineyard, and whatsoever is right, that shall ye receive. So when even was come, the Lord of the vineyard saith unto his steward, Call the laborers and give them their hire, beginning from the last unto the first. And when they came that were hired about the eleventh hour, they received every man a penny which was 
a day's wages. But when the first came, they supposed that they should have received more. And they likewise received every man a penny or a day's wages. And when they had received it, they murmured against the good man of the house. They got mad. Saying, these have wrought but one hour, and thou hast made them equal unto us, which have borne the burden and the heat of the day. But he answered one of them and said, Friend, I do thee no wrong. Didst not thou agree with me for a penny? Take that thine is and go thy way. I will give unto the last even as unto thee. Is it not lawful for me to do what I will with mine own? Is thine eye evil because I am good? So the last shall be first and the first last. For many be called, but few are chosen. I look into these parables. They mean simply taking objects and lay them down side by side seeing that which is in one that reflects something that is in the other. Jesus does this. He reaches out and grabs worlds that are so far apart and brings them together and lays them down. And in them, he depicts and reveals these heavenly truths, these divine teachings. These are not bedtime stories, but these are life-changing stories. Amen. The worlds that he lays down, of course, is the world of the natural. You'll find that in all of the parables. He begins where you're at. And aren't you glad he does? Amen. He deals with what you know to show you what you don't know. He lays down the world of the natural. Then he reveals to us the world of the spiritual. Because it is through the natural, he reveals the spiritual. Yes. It is while here on earth that we find out there is a heaven. Amen. It is here after experiencing the natural birth, we find out the truth in John 3 that there is a spiritual birth birth. We understand that there's more than the S-U-N, there is the S-O-N. That a shepherd's not just a shepherd, but he's the great shepherd. And that the lost sheep's not just the lost sheep, but it's you and I found by the shepherd. And on and on in all of these parables, Jesus reaches into the natural to, re to reveal to us the spiritual. But within those parables also, he, he gives us the world of the personal or the individual. The thing that makes every parable so practical is not only that you find the natural where you are and you find the spiritual as he reveals heaven to you, but you find yourself in there. That's right. That's where it's life-changing. But the thing that he reveals more than anything else is the world of the eternal. Amen. In every parable, there is not only the natural and the spiritual and the personal you being in there, but God's in there somewhere. Yep. Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, and sometimes all three at the same time. He's standing within the parable of your life somewhere revealing himself to you putting heaven into your story yes. his glory into your story and no matter where you're at if you get to looking at it just right through his eyes you're going to see him yes. you're going to see heaven yes. you're going to see yourself in the circumstances that you're in. But I read these verses 
here in Matthew chapter number 20. I want to emphasize how that what Jesus does in this parable is he takes us into the world of his grace. The world of him who is grace. He wants us to see this heavenly truth in this earthly circumstance. Now, the reason why he gives this parable, talking about those that came in early, those that came in late, but yet both being paid the same, is that if you would go back to the former chapter in verse number 27 on down to verse number 30, Peter has said to the Lord, you know, we have left houses and lands and family. What are we going to get out of this? I say, Lord, I'd like to know at the start what I'm going to get at the end. And the Lord answers back to him and says, Peter, what I want you to know is you'll get more. I mean, I'm not going to cheat you. I guarantee you that. That's right. But then he steps into this parable because what he wants Peter to know is, Peter, I don't want you to go through life somehow putting a demand upon me. I'm doing this, so God, I'm expecting you to do that. Because what it's going to do is make a miserable preacher out of you. He's wanting to introduce to him this world of his grace so that he could operate and live out of the grace of God. As I look into this text that I just read to you, I see grace everywhere. Don't you? Grace is found in the fact that there is a morning that this man can arise, these men can arise. There's a new day of which they can go out and seek to provide. That is grace that you woke up this morning. That's right. Amen. There's grace in the weather. The fact that the weather accommodated a job for each one of these men. So that they could go to work. The fact that the householder was there to meet them and greet them. Was that not grace? And the fact that no matter what the order was, at least they were hired and put on the job. I see grace in the fact that whether you could work one hour or uh, 10 or 11 hours, you had the strength to do so. That's right. You have the ability to do so. That's grace. It should not strain us to find grace everywhere around us and in us. And the wages that they receive, a day's wages, is emblematic of his grace. Grace, grace, marvelous grace. Of his grace have all we received. Grace for grace. Or grace on top of grace. Grace out of grace. Grace beside of grace. Grace under grace. And grace over top of grace. Grace, abundant grace. Marvelous grace. Hey, buddy, if you just look around, there's grace everywhere in this field. There's grace in that marriage. There's grace in that home. There's grace in that job. There's grace in those. There's grace all around if you can see it. But what I want to say to you is if you can't see grace, you're going to live in anger and bitterness and malice 
I think that's mine. I'm not a social drinker, so I want to make sure. Jesus takes them into the world of grace. If you can see it, are you hearing what I'm saying? Oh, if you can see it. But you must see it. If you are to experience and enjoy his grace, you're going to have to see it. Right where you're at, you're going to have to see it. So, seeing this grace is the difference between first and last. It's the difference between bitterness or blessedness. It's the difference between mad and glad. (laughs) Are you hearing me? So, three simple thoughts. If you are to experience and enjoy the good graces of God, I want to point out to you from this text, you're going to have to deal with the worth issue. How much do you think you're worth? I notice that the problem with those that came in early, they came in on contract. They came in with figures in mind as to what they thought if they did what needed to be done with their own personal abilities that this is what I'm worth. Well, let me tell you something. If you're buying a car, that might be all right. How much is this worth? Or you're uh, building a house. How much is this worth? Or you're even working on That might be all right. But honey, you don't want to deal with God that way. Because you might get what you're worth. <laughs> and you'll always feel like you got cheated before it's over with. You'll be mad working off this matter of the worth issue. They bargain with grace. What he thinks he's worth, he sets a price for the good man. And he gets the price that he set. But then he supposes by the end of the day, he deserved more than what he got. It was your figures. It was your calculations. He set his worth and he gets what he's worth. It's not really worth it to barter with God. That's right. That's right. A chemist said that if the human body, yours, mine, was turned into fertilizer, it would be worth approximately 57 cents. That was before Biden inflation. It may be a little more. But that, the, the cost would be more than your worth. <laughs> and besides that, it's illegal. <laughs> Diseases in human bodies. What I'm simply saying to you is that what should have happened here is they should have, this man should have allowed the good man of the house to not only call him but to set the cost to determine Instead of sitting around or, or, or in, in your, in your uh, thinking all day long trying to figure up and to make sure that everything equals out and you've got what you're worth. But I say to you again, if you're trying to live life by your figures, 
by your figures, the math is not going to work out. And you're going to be miserably upset. Hey, pastor, go to figuring and you're going to get upset. Go to calculating. If your marriage is operating off a contract, it's hell in your home. I'll tell you that right now. You've already got a, a, set, a set pattern that you think everything ought to go by. There's trouble there. Yes. No matter where it's at. I'm saying to you, you've got to deal with the worth issue. My grandson, the youngest one, I was talking to him on the phone here a while back, and he said, Daddy Dana, he said, uh, I'm, I lost a tooth, I pulled a tooth, one of these baby teeth. And I said, well, wait and I get there. And I'll give you, a man, I, I pumped it, I said, I'll give you 10 bucks for that tooth. He said, no. I said, why? He said, I want the, I'm waiting on the tooth fairy. I said, okay. I talked to him three or three days later and I said, the tooth fairy come by that night? He said, yeah. I said, how much you get? He said, $2. (laughs) I said, you know why? I'm in Alabama. You're in Georgia. They got cheap tooth fairies over there. (laughs) I said, down here in Alabama, you get 10 bucks for a tooth. (laughs) Next time he's at the house, he's trying to work a tooth loose. (laughs) He was upset at his dad because of the cheap tooth fairy. But that's what he asked for. That's what he wanted. Secondly, I would say to you that if you're going to enjoy this grace of God and experience it, you're going to have to deal with the works issue. The works issue. I notice in this text that this man not only bargains, but he begrudges grace. He's not only operating under contract as far as the figures are concerned, but now he's trying to control everything because of his feelings. He is trying to dictate and stipulate everything in this field because he is upset about the outcome and he wants to control it. Have you noticed that? Verse number 12, verse number 11, and when they had received it, they murmured against the good man of the house saying, these have wrought but one hour. (laughs) He's wanting to control the other workers. He's wanting to control the good man who's paying the other workers. He's wanting to control everything that is in this field. He's upset and he's mad and he begins to meddle in other people's business. It'll cause you to begin to compare yourself with other people who you feel are in the same category as you are. You'll always end up mad because you'll think they're getting a little more than you do. Or there's some reason. I'll tell you there's some reason why they're running 300 and I'm running 30. I guarantee if you searched into it, there's something wrong there. I mean, I've pastored all these years and I put so much into it and I don't know why they don't call me to come preach meetings. Why do they always use her to play the piano? They know I can play the piano. He is controlling through his comparisons. Now it's about the minutes. It's about the money. If you want to listen to me, if it's all about how you feel and about your figures, about the worth and the works, 
about the guarantees, you're always going to come to the place you feel like something just ain't fair. That's right. No matter who you are, where you are, who your boss is, how much your pay is, who you work with, when you start, when you stop, you will feel last. And you want others to feel last also. If I'm feeling last, he must feel first. But you know these, and I, and I deal with one specifically. You, the, the, he's he's not last. He just thinks he is. By the way, if you always run around and say, "Well, I was the black sheep of the family," well, you probably are. <laughs> well, I just noticed he shook everybody's hand but mine. He didn't want to shake yours. he's not last he's able to work mentally he's certainly not last because he's figured up and tallied up everything he's got it down just right personally he's not last he was actually picked first but he feels like he's last why because he's operating off of what he thinks he's worth and about the accumulation of his works look I've been out here under this hot sun not for an hour but for all of these hours and I notice you paid him the same thing that you paid me he ought to be happy Reminds me of that elder brother so mad about his brother coming home. Yes, sir. He shouldn't have been mad. He should have been glad. Yes. He should have said, thank God I've never been gone. I'm not down on my brother, but I'm glad I've never been through those experiences. Thank God I've always been home. Thank God my brothers came home. Thank God I've always belonged. Thank God I've got a song. I'm glad. But he's come up with a conclusion. It's just not fair. But I wonder what's fair to you. Is it fair to everybody else? Now he's talked about the one that came in at the last hour. And he's upset. What he's simply saying is, I wish I could have worked one hour and got the same pay. The only problem with that is, if you're going to judge a man because of his situation and assume that you know something about him because he worked just the... Do you know why he worked one hour? I mean, if you're going to step into someone else's situation, you can't just take the one hour. You've got to take the whole deal. Tell it. He may have that day tended to a wife that's sick in bed. There may have been a death in the family. He may be sick himself. There's any number of things that could have been wrong with the man that came in. He would have probably wanted to work all day because he wanted a day's wages, but all he had was an hour. Hey, before you get mad at everybody else because you've tallied up and you've figured and all your feelings and you're mad and you're upset and you've calculated and you've worked under your contract and you feel like things ain't fair, whose shoes in this building would you willfully step into and become them? I never met another preacher that I would want to be. I never met another man that I would want to be. That's right. And you're looking at me. You're saying, but you're short. Wouldn't you want to be tall? (laughs) I'm bigger than what I thought it was anyway. I went to the doctor. They had that chart. Tells you how tall you ought to be according to your weight. According to that chart, I... Should be six foot four. <laughs> so I feel like I'm, I'm big enough as it is. Oh, 
this body has its aches and pains. This body has its diseases. This body is 68 years old. But honey, I don't know what's going on in your body. I don't know what's going on in your mind. I don't know what's going on in your house. I don't know what's going on with your children. I don't know, so I ain't going to swap. I'm just going to thank God for the grace I've got and pray he'll give you grace also. But the elder brother is so upset. And I say it this way. It is so vile that I don't believe that the elder brother would ever be satisfied in heaven until he found out his brother went to hell. Boy, can't religion be so mean? Yes, sir. And brothers and sisters, we've all got a lot of it. And we've got to realize that. Because that's probably the worst side of us. Uh, when Jesus came, there was that religious group that was not operating unto the, under grace. No, they done figured everything out. And they were right and everybody else was wrong. Yeah. I mean, after all, that religious group that Jesus came into when he came into this world believed, get this, they believed in the inspiration of the scriptures. I do too. Amen. You know they do. They said, we have Moses as our lawgiver. That's right. We have this inspired word of God. They believed in eternal life, eternal security. They believed in eternal security. They told Jesus, said, we got Abraham's our father. I mean, we got a man. They believed in the coming of the Lord. They looked for the Messiah. They believed in the assembly or the temple or the church. They believed in fasting. They believed in prayer. And they killed Jesus. (laughs) Hey, Baptist, don't get so right that you're wrong. This old boy was right in everything he said to this householder. He said, I come in at this time, he was right. He said, I worked under these conditions, he was right. He said, I clocked out at this condition, it was right. Oh, he was right, so right, he was wrong. And there's something wrong in all of us, unless you're a hypocrite. I never stand beside this sacred desk, but what I don't feel my unworthiness to do so. And if you knew me like I know me over the last 53 years and my wife knows me, you may not want to hear me preach, but don't turn your halos up because if I knew you like you know you, I'm going to tell you I might get my Bible and run, but I'm glad God's here to meet with all of us. I'm just wondering, was it fair that Jesus had to leave his home, his father, born into poverty, hated by his own people, rejected? Crucified. I just wonder, was that fair? But I find nowhere in Jesus' spirit he was upset about it. (laughs) Because he was the embodiment of grace. Oh, I say to you, if you're going to enjoy and experience this matter of the fullness of grace that is in this text, you'll have to deal with the worth issue, how much you think you're worth, and you'll have to deal with the works issue. You wouldn't be here if he hadn't saved you. I wouldn't be preaching if he hadn't called me and filled me with his spirit. He has nothing to do with me. It's everything to do with him. Amen. 
And I say to you, thirdly and lastly, you'll have to deal. If you're going to enjoy and embrace the grace of God, you'll have to deal with the will issue. The will issue. You say, well, preacher, what you're talking about? Well, look in verse number 14. He says to this man, take that thine is and go thy way. I will <laughs> give unto the last even as unto thee. He said, buddy, this ain't about your worth and it ain't even about your works. You've stepped out of your bounds. You're trying to come into the grace of God and turn it into some kind of legalistic law and it ain't going to work on this farm. Because I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to do what I want to do. Isn't that what he said? I'll do. Look at it again there. Take that's your, I will give unto the last even as unto thee. Is it not lawful for me to do what I will with mine own? Is that I evil because I am good? This is a will issue. Not yours. Not this one. Not mine. But it is his. And what we find out in this text in an amazing, wonderful way that it's not about the figures, it's not about the feelings, it's not about the fairness, it's about his favor. Amen. Aren't you glad God's not fair? That's right. He never has been fair. That's right. He never treated me fair. <laughs> he showed favor. It's not about contracts and control. It's not about guarantees. It's about grace. And I notice how he speaks. And in doing so, he gives no reason, no reason at all as to why he gave to the last the same as he gave to the first. A lot of things can't be as the old mountain fella said, splained. They don't have to be splained. You just have to know that's God. That's right. He gives no reason, no explanation. He doesn't say why. He didn't say, buddy, don't be upset. What you don't know is this here is my first cousin, and, and he came up, but I, I'm my first cousin. Well, this guy, right, he's married. He, he's my brother-in-law. I mean, I can't do that to my brother-in-law. No, there is no reason or explanation other than it is his will. And I'm here to tell you, I can't explain why he's done all he's done for me. I've got no definition for it. I just want you to know I have been able to receive the favor and grace of God. And it's everywhere, everywhere. Won't you see it? You never stop seeing it. Everywhere. There's grace. There's grace. There's grace. There's grace. There's grace. Grace in my wife. Grace in my husband. Grace in my children. Grace in my home. Grace in my church. Grace in my pastor. Grace in this big grace. So what are you mad about? You won't be mad if you see his grace. Oh, he takes us beyond the bargaining, bargaining of grace and the begrudging of grace into the enjoyment of the blessing of grace. There's signs of it. I told you in the beginning. There's signs of it everywhere. Yeah. Everybody ought to be happy. Yes. How's that song? Everybody will be. You ought to be happy now. That's right. Everybody in this text ought to be happy. Yep. If you're not working under contract, 
and you're not trying to control things and compare things, and operating off your figures and feelings and your worth and your works, you can be happy. Because you ain't got nothing left but grace. The spirit of grace is everywhere. The surprise of grace. You know, there's no surprise under contract. Huh? There ain't no surprise under contract. Entitlement is the enemy of grace. If you think you deserve it, you ain't going to get it. Not grace. That's right. Now, he done told Simon Peter, he said, Simon, you give, you give what you think you're worth, it works, but you're going to miss grace if you live in that realm. I don't want you serving and preaching to me, tallying up on me and running back and put your little figures down every day. Man, it's, it's, it's everywhere. Yes. Yes. Everywhere. The surprise. Don't you like surprises? Yes. Those that you did not expect That's right. and you did not deserve. Right. Huh? Now, I would uh, illustrate this here in the text. You got two men in the same field going home at the end of the day with the same thing. Now, aren't they? Let me borrow one of those. <laughs> I don't know whose that is, but anyway. Two men going home with the same thing. One man gets his. He looks at it and says, look at that. I worked all day long. Look at that. He's mad and upset about a day's wages. He's going home steaming. He's telling his brother, said, look at that. I came in. I know you come in. You a Lord, but look at what I got. And the guy said, well, uh, isn't that what you, well, how much did you ask for? Yeah. Well, that's what you got. Yeah, but I know. But I got to figuring. So what I got to figuring. I got to thinking about this and calculating. And I'm going to tell you something. Something ain't right about this. I'm mad. He gets home and kicks the door. Runs up. And he jumps up. Kids, get out of here. Go move rocks or something. Slams the screen door and comes in. Man, he's mad. Slinging his arms. His wife said, honey, what's wrong? Look at that. Look at that. I want you to look at that. She said, well, I, you worked all day, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah, I did. Well, that's, ain't that what you get for a day's wages? Yeah, yeah but I'm mad about it. <laughs> I mean, there's a guy came in work one hour, and here I come in. Well, I'm mad about. What are you mad about? <laughs> Don't even look at me. But there's another man got his check. Now he don't know about it. He looks at what? Hey, buddy, look at this. So, that's a whole. I just want you know. I just come in an hour, and he goes back. No doubt. He said, "Look, this is a mistake, right?" No, he said, "Don't you worry about it." I wanted you to have that. I can see him looking at me and said, Woo, man, Woo! ain't this good? He's skipping all the way home. He runs in, hugs the youngins, kisses the dog, run in, hugs the wife, said, Hallelujah, mama, look at that. Look what I got. She said, honey, something's wrong. What happened? 
You only you couldn't go. I mean, I was sick. I'm sorry you had to stay home with me so long. And you just worked an hour, didn't you? He said, I did. But look what come out of it. Hey, she said, well, how come? He said, I don't know. He just said he wanted to. And honey, everything I am, I am by the grace of God. And I'm excited because he wanted to. But here's the thing about it. If you ever see grace just right, it don't have no alphabet to it. That's right. God didn't save you and say, all right, now, you are a number three in my grace. And I'm going to save you, and you are a number seven in grace. So that you go your whole life feeling like you're seven. Number seven in grace. That's not God. When you see grace, all his children are number ones. <laughs> Why am I mad? I'm first. Hey, I can't be mad here this morning. I'm looking at all the saints and I'm telling you how I feel. I don't hurt nobody's feelings. I feel like I'm first. But hey, if you're God's children living in the grace of God and looking around you, you feel the same way. He's been so He saved me. I mean, I didn't come out. You've heard me preach. I don't want to get into it. No religious affiliation at all. None. Mother left when I was a year and a half old. Dad is a drunkard. Raised in an environment. He never remarried. First language is foul language. Not that I wanted to be that way, but that's all we knew. Stealing was... Bad if you got caught. That's just the way it was. Some of you are grabbing your billfolds now. <laughs> and we were poor because of alcohol. And I always felt less in any situation. Always felt like less. And all I had to do was look around and see that I was this. Everybody dressed better than I had. Everybody had a bicycle. I didn't have a bicycle. Everybody had whatever. And I felt less. And because the way I lived, even as a kid, taught to be mean, I felt less. I felt like I was last in life. And one day, in a little old dirty alley, here come the good man of the household, the master, the Lord Jesus. And here's what he did. He walked all the way to the back of the line because that's where I was. Come all the way to the back of the line. He saved me and put his arm around me and said, I'm never going to leave you. And he took me all the way up to the front. (laughs) And from a 14-year-old I'm going to tell you, when I went into that little old church, they made me feel first. I'm going to tell you, they loved on me. They made me feel first. I go into these churches and preach, I feel first. Preacher takes me out to eat, I feel first. I look at my wife, I feel first. I look at my children, I feel first. I look at my grandparents, I feel first. better than anybody it's got nothing to do with anybody I'm not comparing with anybody I'm not figuring anything I can't help it I feel blessed and one hundred and one thousand times in 53 years I've been surprised by grace you get this, you get this, what? 
Now, I'm still living it in the natural. But what he's saying is, Peter, you're going to live your life for me in the natural. But don't you live it through a contract and figures. You live it in grace. And grace will always make you feel like, and it'll be true, you got more of what you're worth. And you got more out of it than you put into it. Huh? The old boy said, I can't wait to go to work tomorrow, Mom. I can't wait to go. She said, why? I don't know what he's going to will for today. He lays down the natural, that field. He shows us the spiritual, his grace. He puts us right in the middle of it. And he says, now here I am. I want you to see me. And experience my grace where you're at. Mad or glad. The elder brother said, Dad, you didn't throw no party for me. I mean, they had a real party. They said music and dancing. I looked that up in the Greek and said music and dance. <laughs> you say, well, that ain't right. It's so pretty good that the father sets it up. Huh? <laughs> I listen to some of this music around here. It's got that gospel clogging move to it. I don't mind it. He said, Dad, you didn't throw me no party. You know why he didn't throw him a party? There wasn't nobody going to come. <laughs> Would you go to a party like that? Where a guy's mad and he's pouting, he's upset. He's sitting over with his little pen and said, Well, I, I thought there'd be more than this come here. Yeah. He said, Dad, I've, done, I've been living. It is, Dad basically said to him, Son, you... All I have is thine. Did you not know that? And you're living under a contract? Throw it away. And enjoy. (laughs) That might not have been fair for somebody. (laughs) 